really embracing our limitations brings a freedom and joy because at its base, it connects us to God and others. Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast, a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking all about busyness. It's good to be busy, right? The 19th century philosopher Soren Kierkegaard would disagree. He said, busyness tends to prevent people from forming a heart. Oh dear, well, uh, when you put it like that, who would want to boast about being busy? And yet, when people ask us how we are, don't we usually say busy as if it's some kind of badge? As if being productive and efficient means we're being faithful as if being busy proves we're making the most of our lives. As if having great long to-do lists we cross off is what it's all about. But as we all know, being busy is a terrible treadmill. It's a sort of tyranny, because we can never do enough. All this performing, earning, proving, striving, it just leaves us exhausted and joyless. And when we inevitably don't do everything on our lists, we're filled with guilt and shame. Our guest today shares good news with us. There is a better way. Writer and theologian, award-winning author and editor, Kelly Capick shares his struggle to shed the unrealistic expectations we place on ourselves and the solution he found to the busy problem. His latest book, I love the title, it's called You're Only Human, How Your Limits Reflect God's Design and Why That's Good News. Isn't that great? Kelly invites us to consider, what if our limitations are God-designed? What if we were never meant to do it all? What if our limitations are good because they lead us to greater dependence on our maker? What if that is actually the most important thing on our to-do list? To depend, to trust in a power greater than ourselves, to admit our limitations. Kelly shares very practical ways we can combat this busy trap and find joy and connection and balance and rest and what the antidote to it all is and what it has to do with humility and gratitude and joy. Of course, children are so much better at this than grown-ups, aren't they? I think it's because they have a right-sized view of themselves. They're humble. They know they're only small, that they can't do everything. They know they need to depend on others, that they need other people's help. And they're not afraid to ask for it. And so they're free and joy-filled and they're absolute experts at wonder. Don't we want that, to be free, joy-filled and experts at wonder? I do. I'm sure you do too. Kelly invites us to step off our treadmill of striving and performing and earning and I'm so grateful to him for his generosity, joy, honesty, and wisdom. His words are a breath of fresh air 
His message is just the permission we all need. So without further ado, please welcome my friend and now yours, Kelly Capick. Maybe some listeners can relate to me on this. I mean, as I put my head on my pillow at night, I'd find myself just kind of washed over with a sense of guilt and shame. Now, I'm a Christian theologian. I believe sin's a real problem. And if, as I'd feel that, if I'd start to think, oh, look, I, I said a cruel, I was cruel to that person, or, or I was lying, or I was greedy, you know, whatever, those sins, I need to repent of them and rejoice in the glorious grace and forgiveness of Christ. But honestly, what I found so often was that wave of shame that would come over me when I put my head on the pillow, it was so often this, I should have gotten more done today. I should have done more. And so the question is, did God actually think I needed to do more? And so an example of these kind of pressures are from very early on now with children, we feel this pressure to sign them up for all of these sports and, and depending on your community and your, you know, but I hear of not just in elementary school, but going all the way to like first grade and kindergarten, this pressure of they should learn languages. They should have music lessons. They should be in multiple sports. They should be excellent academically. An average high school student, they head off to school by 730 in the morning. They're there till about 330. Then often they kind of change and do an extracurricular activity till 6, 6.30 or so. They run home, they get some food, and then they do homework or some other activity till 11 or so at night, and then they, they go to bed every night. And they're exhausted constantly and spread super thin. And then at college, we just intensify it. And then we wonder why those of us as adults kind of have unrealistic expectations about how much we should get done in any given day. I mean, it, it's part of the DNA in America. It's Ben Franklin who originally said that time is money. <laughs> and, as, and as Christians, we've kind of baptized that, not in the sense that we're always trying to get economic gain from any minute, but we really think that we really need to be productive and efficient constantly. And if we're not, then we're not being good Christians. We're not being faithful. And so that has really gotten intensified. And so we feel like if we're not constantly busy and if we're not keeping our children constantly going, then we're doing something wrong. And it would be beautiful for us to revisit that and understand the rhythms of work and rest and laughter and delight and gratitude, not just busyness. 200 years ago in a rural setting or even around the world in a lot of settings, those pressures are not the same. A farmer might work 14 or 15 hours in a day during certain times of harvest, but they're not doing that all the time. We have kind of created an environment where we really think we need to get a tremendous amount done at any time, which has created some distortions and also why I actually think we're into a distraction culture because we're trying to deal with this problem. You think about, look at all the screen time people, you know, they spend so much time on social media and will binge watch on Netflix and that kind of thing. And at least in the past for me, it's been easy to blame those things. I actually, rather than seeing those as the problem, I think those are people often escaping. One of the reasons I think that stuff has so much power right now is we are being crushed by expectations and that is so distracting. It allows us to, to get away from it and it numbs us, but it's not the healthiest way to deal with it, you know? Really embracing 
our limitations brings a freedom and joy because at its base, it connects us to God and others. So for example, here, here's just a practical thing. The idea of humility, as Christians, we know we should be humble, but one of the questions is why should we be humble? And we often say, well, we should be humble because we're sinners. It is true that we're sinners and, and that should contribute to our humility. But even if there were no sin and fall, Adam and Eve were meant to be humble because humility at its best is a recognition that to be a human creature is to be dependent on God, to be dependent on neighbor, and to be dependent on the earth. Those relationships are meant to be joyful and, and enriching. And so sin is not what makes us dependent. Sin is what twists those dependencies. So all of that to say, recognizing our limitations and the good of them can reconnect us with our dependence on God. It, it liberates us to have the opportunity to pray. <laughs> we don't pray when we're so busy. And be, uh, Christians all know, like, yeah, we should pray and people feel guilty about it. But if we're honest, and none of us want to say this because it sounds so bad, but we don't pray because we don't think it's doing anything. It's so inefficient. There's more important things to do. But what if what if actually being with God and listening to God and, and being silent with him and speaking to him, what if that's a beautiful thing? What about a meal with family and friends or neighbors or people we don't know well that's not rushed? What about being with kids and not constantly rushing around? There are definitely seasons when we, we need to work really hard and you do need to be rushed around. And stress can be a gift. We're made to be able to handle these things in kind of sporadic, episodic ways. But the problem is we've made them a lifestyle. So I think a, a different path is the rhythm of work and rest, of meals, of joy, of connection to others. If you think humility is built on sin, then the, our only path forward is to, is to focus on what bad sinners we are. But if we say, no, 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 part of being a human creature with our limits is that we're dependent on God, neighbor, and earth, you can actually cultivate humility not just by not by hating yourself. That's no, no, no. You cultivate humility by learning to delight in God, learning to delight in your neighbor and seeing what they have that you don't have, not viewing them as, con you know, competition or someone you got to constantly win, but you can be free to actually encourage them and be encouraged by them and, e and even a, a healthy relationship to the earth and the rhythms of it. So on a practical level, something like humility, it's not either you have it or you don't. You can cultivate it in the power of the spirit by just learning to be human. And it doesn't have to come by way of self-hatred. So I actually think there's a joy and a freedom that comes with embracing our limitations because it's a more humane way of existence. Well, I'm gonna be reading from a story in the Jesus Storybook Bible called Operation No More Tears. This is the message God gave to Isaiah. It was like a letter God wrote to his children. Dear little flock, you're all wandering away from me like sheep in an open field. You have always been running away from me, and now you're lost. You can't find your way back. But I can't stop loving you, and I will come to find you. So I am sending you a shepherd to look after you and to love you, to carry you home to me. I love that passage. I love this, I can't stop loving you. you know, I work with college students and if I ask most students, do you think your parents love you? 
they say yes. But then often if I ask, do you think your parents like you? It's amazing how often tears start to come to their eyes. Because they they feel like their parents had to love them because they're their parents, but they're not actually very convinced they like them. And I think we struggle with the same thing with God. We, we're like, oh, he's God. He has to love us. But if you think, does he like you? Does he like you in your particularity, your, your personality, your, your body type? And the answer is yes. He can't stop loving us, which means he likes us. And it is true he's going to deal with our sin, but he's not getting rid of our sin in order to destroy us. It's in order to redeem us because he actually likes us. He doesn't like the sin that is distorting us. He likes what he made. And so he doesn't like sin, which is twisting the beautiful thing he made. It is actually very hard to believe. I think it takes a tremendous amount of courage to believe not just that God loves you, but he likes you. And that song of redemption is going to come. And he is faithful to slowly, truly be working in your life not just because he's dealing with some accounting problem of your sin, but because he likes what he made. He likes you. And so he wants to deal with the sin that so entangled you and I. And I think that gives us hope that he who began a good work in us is going to see it to completion. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at Jesus underscore storybook underscore Bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Oh, hello, it's me again, Sally. I'm just popping back briefly to say two things. The first thing is, don't forget to subscribe to the show because that way you'll get the stories straight to your phone. And the other thing is, while we're at it, would you rate the show and leave us a review? That would be so great because it helps other people find the show too. I really appreciate your help. Thank you.